today on Doomed. What is up, everybody? Watching our third straight, that's right, third straight live streamed version of Doomed with Matt Binder. I am Matt Binder, your host, because you can tell from the title, that's how it works. And I am thrilled today to introduce my guest. But first, let me tell you all how you can support this show. Haha, you thought I'd forget that. Patreon.com slash Matt Binder for $5 a month. You can help make this live stream continue going. Uh, that's right. It's my streamers, my, uh, my patrons that help keep this stream, this live version of the show going. You can also support this show by subscribing on iTunes. You can subscribe also to the YouTube channel where this live stream is aired at Ready for this? I got a domain that forwards to the YouTube channel, so you don't have to go to that YouTube slash, you know, YouTube.com slash user bullshit. You can go to doomed.tv. That's right. Doomed.tv. Amazing, right? And here we go. Now it's time to introduce my guest today. Let's just pull up the old. There we go. We are now on the screen. Joining right. me now. There we go. Joining me now is Jared Holt. He is a researcher at Right Wing Watch, which I've I've been a fan of Right Wing Watch for a very long time. You guys do great work over there. Thank you. And he is also the host of I believe it's a brand new podcast, right? You you've only been out for a couple months, right? Yeah, yeah. We uh Shit Post. Yeah. Well, uh, first off, thanks for having me on the show, man. How's, glad to be on. No, I'm glad to have you. This is going to be fun. You know, I feel like, you know, Jared reached out to me and said how he had a few of his listeners say they like my show too, and we should collab. Collaborate, right? <laughs> and I said to myself, this is perfect. I've been following Jared's work. Uh, I know I, he pops up on my Twitter feed all the time. Uh, I've seen his stuff at Right Wing Watch, and let's do it. And yeah, I kept I kept getting emails that were like, Jared, Matt Bender, when? And right. I was like, and I was like, all right, I guess I gotta hook this up. Right. Uh, but you've 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 done good stuff. Followed you for a while. Oh, thank you. So you know when we were talking about what to talk about today, the one of the things that kept coming up. It was uh, classical liberalism. I've talked about it on my show. It's often come up in all of my conversations about the alt-right and right-wingers and the new media conservative, the YouTube uh, free thinkers, and all those you know, various names. Uh, basically, racists like to give themselves so they don't have to basically come out and say they are racists. And... and, and I wanted to do an episode on classical liberalism, but then the gods above, Saint, I, Saint Karl Marx himself, presented a gift that I honestly, you know, it really couldn't have been planned better. Yeah. This piece by, uh, I, think, I think you pronounce her name Barry Weiss, right? Number one sweetie, Barry Weiss. Right. Yes. I have no idea what that's referencing. <laughs> It's okay. It's internet. Cool. Target. Cool. Well, I'm usually in that world, but I guess I missed that one. I'm going to actually go ahead and say I'm happy I've missed that one. <laughs> it's just like a side effect of being chronically online. Right, 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 right. 
So Barry Weiss comes out with this amazing piece. Now, for people who aren't familiar with Barry Weiss, she's a horrible opinion columnist at the New York Times. Now you might be asking to yourself, you know, you might be asking yourself, that really doesn't narrow it down. <laughs> but, but Jared, can you, can you give us a little bit, you know, not too much, because she's not the point of this conversation, yeah. but just give us a little bit about Barry Weiss, or as uh, I guess you like to call her, number one sweetie. So uh, Barry Weiss is a New York Times columnist, and she is somehow able to like crank out the worst hot take every week at that paper. And she's one of like the many uh, conservative oh, wait. columnists. Oh, wait. Sorry. oh my god! I had you. You know, I you were down on the stream for some reason, but don't worry, I have it all recorded. You were fine okay. for some reason on the stream. You were you were muted here. Uh oh. But don't worry, you're up now. It was my bad. Start from the beginning. Please uh, bring us a update, uh, you know, a little bit of a summary on Barry Weiss. Yeah, Barry Weiss is a uh, New York Times columnist who somehow is able to generate the worst take at the paper every week. And it's, she's one of sort of this hybrid class of columnists that is able to maintain six-figure employment in the news industry uh, by just dishing out horrible takes that uh, send the left into, like, you know, crying fits almost because of how asinine they are. Right. Uh, and her take this week, I think, was probably – if there's such thing as, like, a good bad take, I think that maybe her column this week about the intellectual dark web uh, – it definitely like ranked up there for sure. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Thank you. Perfect segue. Intellectual dark web. Let's do this. I yeah. am pumped to talk about these guys. You know, uh, they call themselves IDW, intellectual dark web. But, you know, if you're going to call yourself an acronym and be as terrible as these guys, I feel like you're leaving yourself open to a little bit of fun. Yeah. And uh, I also think like you know. a huge point that's been missed in like all of this just off the top is that they're comparing themselves to the dark web, which is pretty much synonymous uh, with like illegal, like horrible content. Like if you want to buy like a, a human fever or femur with like no questions asked, right. there's probably somewhere on the dark web to get it. And there's a, other like awful stuff I, I won't you know mention on this podcast yeah right the the dark web is an actual thing like you said like it's a these guys didn't come up with this term it's a real thing and that's not what these guys are talking about no yeah like if i you know if i went on the actual dark web i would pull up you know i'd i'd fire up the old tour and i would uh uh collect my bitcoin and i'd go find the the latest version of whatever silk road or something like it is being called today and I would buy myself some, uh, I guess, cocaine and a thousand military-grade grenade launchers. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, that's, yeah, that's what that's it's synonymous with. Yeah. <laughs> so, so these guys think they have created something here, but they're using a name that already exists and means something. Right. But, you know, IDW should not stand for intellectual dark web because dark web is an actual thing already. So why don't we do them a favor and try to think of something else? IDW, what could it stand for? Uh, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna cop to preparing uh, <laughs> a a possibility they could go by. Uh, they what can call themselves international dweeb wieners, <laughs> uh, incel dumbass weirdos, or my personal favorite, uh, and I think you'll all agree if you're familiar with these guys, or if you're not familiar with these guys, by the end of this podcast, I think you'll agree. Uh, IDW, if you're a member of it, you are a member of I Demand Wedgies. <laughs> I think that's the perfect one. And let's get into these guys. So let's start with, I mean, I guess we should start with, uh, I guess who I think is the least of the, of, of, of the worst of these guys, the least bad of these guys. And that's Joe Rogan. Yeah, jo- Joe Rogan innocent. Is... Yeah, I don't know about innocent, but... Well, well, right, but... Joe Rogan, uh, I think he's not really on to exactly what these guys are doing. I think he's a dude who has a podcast. Um, I do think he leans right. Uh, yeah, but he has I... a lot of controversial guests on right, his podcast. Right, right, yeah, he's one of those guys who, like all these guys... They claim to just, you know, tell it like it is. They're down the middle. They have no ideological, uh, you know, uh, real ideology. They're not, they're, not, they're not set to any real ideology. Uh, they're not right or left. They're just, they just want the truth, whatever it might be. But, you know, when you look at their weekly guests, it's right winger after right winger after right winger uh, with literal white supremacists thrown in there. And if you look at their uh, the leftists that have been on, it goes to non-existent to uh, maybe they once had uh, maybe Joe Rogan got Noam Chomsky on three years ago. Right. Like that. It's this sort of like pseudo intellectual pursuit of the truth. But when you examine what they believe is the truth, it's almost like exclusively like a hard right wing ideology. And if you speak criticism of it or contest that ideal with them, all of a sudden you're suppressing free speech and you're not a free thinker and you want to, uh, you know, Alex Jones would say you want to like execute conservatives in the street. He's not part of the dark web, but like that's the most extreme version of that rhetoric. Uh, it's, yeah, it, it's, I, it's grifting. I, you know, I feel like that's almost like a, a shortcut, but Essentially, it's a way to present right-wing ideas as, uh, you know, intellectually superior thoughts. And whenever those right-wing ideas get debunked in any way for whatever misinformation or falsehoods or uh, dishonest pretenses they may have involved in them, all of a sudden it turns into a free speech issue. And I think most people in the United States, uh, you know, value some degree of free speech that leans towards absolutism and whenever they make these arguments and pivot to the free speech argument um that's where they get this whole dark web idea they get this the idea of the dark web that they put up is that by criticizing them uh or saying that like your ideas are garbage you don't deserve to be in front of a mainstream audience and push this stuff uncritically they portray it as them being uh, censored by the the SJWs. And 
they have this narrative put up that like because of this they've had to go underground and by underground they mean fox news uh top rated podcast right Uh, that's actually also one of the reasons i wanted to bring up joe rogan first because to really understand what these guys are saying so you have a group basically of uh Really, they don't want to call themselves right-wingers, but they're all right-wing reactionaries. Um, And these guys have basically formed a little group, uh, a group that's uh, the, uh, I guess, uh, you know, sort of like a group you'd go to, you know, like an Alcoholics Anonymous, but for people who think they've, uh, who have like a victimization complex. (laughs) Yeah, there's there's at least like a 100% that there is a Twitter private DM group with all of them in it. called idw right at the very least right actually there's a website oh really they're intellectual dark ready intellectual dark dot website that's literally their site dot website right dot website and the funny thing to me is like you know if you if you if you take out the you know the the uh, the domain extension their their domain is literally intellectual dark which let me tell you would probably give you a whole different (laughs) a whole different site of content yeah, maybe we shouldn't recommend people Google that or, or try that. Right, <laughs> try right, that right, right. But um, but uh, so these guys are all have this victimization complex, and they got this little group together. And the reason I want to talk about Joe Rogan first is because here's a guy who's calling himself part of this group, who literally has probably, uh, not probably, literally has one of the biggest most popular, most listened to podcasts in the world. Right. Like this guy has more people listening to him than I would say probably most, if not all, terrestrial radio, uh, a large portion of uh, TV networks, cable, cable TV networks at least, if not the major networks, obviously. Like this guy has a platform that... TV hosts dream of. Right. Like if you go into any iTunes store or Stitcher or any podcast app and you go to like the top rated podcast, even if you don't sort it by category, just in general, like this, he's up there consistently. Right. And he's part of a group that claims they're being silenced. So they have to go underground in this dark web, which is, uh, the iTunes podcast store. I mean, uh, <laughs> literally Apple's podcast store. Like their, yeah, the, their podcast the dark web's, network. Dark web's taken over, man. It's like infiltrated everything. <laughs> or I guess they have to go to YouTube, the second most trafficked website in the entire world. Uh, only beaten, by the way, by Google, which is the number one trafficked website in the world. Who owns YouTube? Right. I mean, mean, we're going real underground here, man. This is punk rock. Man, listen, when I was in a punk band in college and in high school, we would play shows in like literal like shut down stores in church basements, places where we weren't actually uh, allowed to do shows or allowed to have uh, people dancing or allowed to have uh, food and drink sold. And we played shows where the cops would literally shut down, show up and shut down our uh, technically illegal shows. 
But man, we were never as underground as YouTube and Apple's iTunes store. Yeah, I mean, that's like as corporate as you get. Right. I, I, I find it very hard that uh, someone else who's in this group, Ben Shapiro, can claim to be part of like an intellectual dark web when he starts every show by reading like a, a sponsored promotion from whatever like dumbass like shaving mail order shaving kit thing sponsored a show that week. Like, Right, right. I mean, we'll get to Ben Shapiro in a second. Yeah. But. The thing is, there's a lot of these guys who I've actually talked about on this show, like we're going to get to Jordan Peterson shortly, but I did an episode with Nathan Robinson of Current Affairs where we went like an hour and a half talking about Jordan Peterson. Like we could do, I could do a whole hour and a half show on each one of these guys we're about to talk to. But I feel like the importance of talking to you about this is to really understand how these guys are basically, uh, while we get into the, you know, broader, intricate details of each one, the intellectual dark web, uh, getting into that as a group, really sums all these guys up. Because when it comes down to it, when it boils down to it, you'll see that while they might all have their own niche, they might have their own topic they like to talk about, uh, the reason people are drawn to them is because they have created this fake, literally like, like a professional wrestler. Like they've created, like these guys are all like the undertaker convincing people he's literally a walking zombie. Like right. they've convinced people to buy into this character they're playing. And that is the oppressed intellectual who has something to say, but the main, has something, who has something that no one else is saying. An answer to, a, to they have an answer to the questions everybody is asking, but they're not allowed to share their answer. Yeah, and those That's answers are all, those answers are always something like capitalism is better than communism, which is an extremely widely held viewpoint, especially in the United States. Um, right. So, so let's get to let's get to. I want to get to this. Well, first of all, actually, being, let me get to this part right now. I had because we brought up the intellectual dark dot website. There are two people listed on that site. Like, I don't, I don't, like, maybe, maybe it's not the official site. Like, I don't understand how these people are on this site. Um, because, but I'm pretty sure this is legit. The two, oh. pe- two, two people. Yeah. What's that? Is this the, is this the one that was listed? Did Barry Weiss put this in that piece? Yes, she did. Okay, that's where I saw it then. So it okay. is the real deal. This is, they have on their site listed. Two people, and I think they were removed since I last looked at it earlier today. But they had listed on their site Dan Carlin of Hardcore History and Tim Ferriss, the fucking guy who sold over a million copies of his friggin' four-hour workweek book that literally is like the, the, like the guy every wannabe entrepreneur looks up to to sort of live this like digital entrepreneurial lifestyle. It's literally like saying, um, what's his face? I'm having a mental block right now. The guy who owns the basketball team. Um, oh, um, Mark which, Cuban. Mark, it's, it's like saying Mark Cuban's being silenced. That's how big this Tim Ferriss guy is. Those two people, Dan Carlin, who runs this huge podcast, possibly on the same level as Joe Rogan's, but I would say probably a little bit more mainstream. Um, and Tim Ferriss, an equivalent to, I would say, maybe one step below Mark Cuban, 
we're, we're listed as part of this intellectual dark web. And I doubt they even know they're on that because I looked it up and I didn't see them referencing it in any sort of fashion. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, looked over and scanned the Barry Weiss piece. It says, uh, but in typical dark web fashion, no one knows who put the website up. Right, so, right, right. But other knows? than those two people, everyone up there is legit. So I don't think it's a troll site because if you're going to troll people, I think you would have, a, you know, a bit more over-the-top trolling than literally listing everybody who's part of the dark web and then just throwing in two more people there. <laughs> right. You put, like, Jigglypuff in there. Right, like... right, right, right. <laughs> so, so let's get to these two guys because this to me is – these are two types of people who are used to portray this group as not just a bunch of right-wingers. And eh, it's, it's more than two, but I don't really care about talking about one of them. Uh, it's Brett Weinstein and his wife, Heather Haying. And Brett's brother is also in this, Eric Weinstein, who uh, I would like to point out, uh, Dave Rubin, who we'll get to, b- brought up uh, Eric Weinstein as one of the uh, li- uh, liberals, le- people on the left he invited on his show as proof he doesn't only invite right-wingers. And so I looked up Eric Weinstein to see who this leftist Eric Weinstein is, and he's literally the managing director of Peter Thiel's venture capital fund. Yeah, just a casual liberal that manages the money of an ultra-right-wing billionaire that (laughs) like set a precedent in First Amendment law and sued Gawker into the ground. (laughs) Right, exactly. Now, Eric Weinstein... um, You know, it seems like his claim to fame is really just being the managing director of Teal Capital. Mm -hmm. Um, But his brother, Brett Weinstein, has an interesting story. Are you familiar with those two, Brett Weinstein and his wife, Heather Haying? I don't know so much about his wife. I know that Brett was a professor at one time. Um, She's basically – she basically was a professor there too with him and she stood by her man and uh, basically went through everything with him. Yeah, because Brett made some claims about like how the wage gap between male and female workers isn't real, right, uh, right, right. and that like made people mad, understandably. Right, right. right. But his his the, the thing that got him, uh, I guess, thrusted into the limelight of the intellectual dark web is when the college that he uh, used to teach at, I believe it is uh, Evergreen. Yes, that was the college. They had uh, a day called uh, the a day of absence, and this. Oh is, yeah, right. okay, this okay. Is, this, is, this, this is an event that they held uh, apparently on a yearly basis. It was a regular event. It went back, I believe, even a decade or two. But this year, uh, what they used to do is uh, people of color would leave the campus that day and hold off-campus events. And this year, they asked for the roles to be reversed. And they asked for students who wanted to participate, for the white students who wanted to participate, excuse me, to be the ones to leave campus that year and attend off-campus day of absence events to take part of the event. And this guy had a problem with it. Basically, you know, it's, it's reverse racism. <laughs> so he had no problem with this thing while it was happening the other way around. Of course not. Of course not. So 
he wrote this, I guess, uh, James Demore like manifesto and emailed it to the throughout the school. Oh, and, always a great move to right, keep your job. Right. But here's the thing, though. This guy was met by protesters, student protesters, who didn't agree with him putting down their event and basically calling it racist or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so he goes ahead and uses this to uh, get all over the media. Like, you know, of course, these guys, remember, these guys are being uh, suppressed. So they can't get uh, in the mainstream. They have to go underground. And in Brett Weinstein's case, this professor's case, the underground was Tucker Carlson's show on Fox News. Yeah, oh, the most underground. That's right, what I think. Right, right, right. I, I have like 10 bootleg copies of Tucker Carlson tonight, you right. know, right. <laughs> dropped you off to, at my doorstep. Yeah, it's to, to, to view Tucker Carlson's show, you have to head down to your local bodega, wait at the payphone, uh, pick up the phone, tap the phone three times, and someone will show up in a trench coat, open up his trench coat, <laughs> and you'll have to illegally pay him. Uh, hopefully in Bitcoin. In Bitcoin, right? You'll have to do the transaction there on your phone. And he will hand you a few DVDs. He'll charge you a little bit extra for Blu-ray of the latest Tucker Carlson show on Fox News. That's how yeah, you so view Tucker Carlson. It, show. It, it's crazy that this guy had to go. Like, that's how low he had to go. Right. And he also apparently did like a three-hour uh, appearance on Dave Rubin's show, The Rubin of Report, course, which, to be fair, did. is on the underground website. It's not on cable news like Fox. It's on the underground website, uh, YouTube, and Dave Rubin, who again we'll get to in a little bit, only has uh, six hundred thousand subscribers. Yeah, and he's only making well into the six figures. Right, right, right. And so I believe I believe how many people watch uh, watch uh, Rachel Maddow on MSNBC every night? It's not six hundred thousand, <sighs> is it? No, no, right? No. Yeah. No. Yeah, that's like uh, the numbers Bill O'Reilly would get when he had a right. show on Fox. Yeah, and he was like the number one show, uh, you know, talk news show on cable. Right, right. But since then, he had to go under underground, Bill O'Reilly. To Newsmax. Right, under underground. Because Fox News, his Fox News show was underground. He's going into the sewers now. That's how, <laughs> that's how oppressed he is. <laughs> He's damn leftist, man. <laughs> These damn leftists uncovering million-dollar payments to women that you sexually harassed. I know. But anyway, let's get back to these Weinstein, the, the, uh, uh, Professor Weinstein. So he goes on these shows. And in one of his many media appearances, uh, he names, actually, uh, I believe one of the professors or uh, uh, school employees, or at the very least, one of the activists who helped plan this event at the school evergreen he literally names this person which is the equivalent i would say of of doxing someone this person's not a public figure yeah if you're on a national platform that's not cool so this person gets death threats uh along with a number of students actually at the school they get death threats because the videos uh get after 
uh, Weinstein's appearance, these videos that students posted of the events and the protests against Weinstein went viral with these Fox News viewers and Dave Rubin's audience, the down-the-middle free thinkers who proceeded, right, who proceeded to uh, harass these college students. And so this caused a whole episode on the campus. And as you can guess, this caused Weinstein to get fired. Actually, no, it didn't. Because the school actually defended it when they were asked about re- him resigning and basically said, we allow our faculty to speak their mind and we are not going to punish them for anything like that. Weinstein saw that there was an opening for him and his wife, who was also a teacher there, to use the little bit of harassment they were receiving in return uh, because, you know, they decided to go mainstream with this and take it off the college campus and sue the school. And then as part of the settlement where the Weinstein uh, husband and wife walk away away with a $500,000 settlement, along with that, they had to resign from the school. So that was the deal they got. No one uh, suppressed them. No one held back their speech. Barry Weiss, in her article, frames it as if they got fired or were forced to resign after this, never mentioning this amazing mid-six-figure payment they get that was brought on by them in the first place. If they wanted to, they could have continued working at this school even after they caused the school all this hubbub and drama and problems from taking this issue uh, outside of the college. These right. are the people who were driven from their uh, uh, platforms, I guess they would say. Right. They sued the school because not, – not because of anything the school did, but because they didn't feel the school adequately defended them at the time while they were taking the issue off campus and blasting it into the national spotlight. Like – they made a conscious choice, and when the school didn't like blow all its resources to help them become famous, they sued and somehow were able to get six figures, like you said, out of this thing. Right. It's har- it's hardly a grievance, but if you can frame it as grievance, you can make it in this media circle. Right. And now here's the thing. A lo- a lo- this is why I really want to talk about these guys. Of course, their background story and Barry Weiss is completely – uh, just ignoring it, just not even mentioning it. Complete, you know, I don't even want to say, you know, I, I guess it works actually, whitewashing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, these guys are portrayed in the piece as the left, the liberal or the progressive uh, wing of this intellectual dark web. The Bernie Sanders voters, because they apparently voted for Bernie Sanders. They were Bernie Sanders supporters. Now, here's the thing that I really, really gets me really gets me we're talk when we're talking about presidential elections whether we're talking primary or general especially in the general because of the sheer number of people who vote but still in the primary when we're still talking uh tens of millions of people voting you cannot use who someone votes for as the strict basis for where they their ideology lies you just right. cannot I- I don't think anybody who votes for any candidate is 100% ideologically aligned with that candidate. It's, I mean, that's crazy. Right. But in the same sense, like, you know, there are people who voted for Hillary or Trump. We're talking like 60 million people a pop, like 120 million plus total. 
And you're telling me all those people have some sort of strong ideological stance. No, they just, sadly, you want to say sadly or unfortunately, a large portion, easily the majority of those people, even if they do this, I might be even being generous here, quickly look up some positions of each and just go, oh, this person will maybe get me, uh, uh, help me out with a, a raise at my job, or this person will make sure I don't lose my job, or this person uh, is going to uh, uh, advocate for a program that could better my life maybe, or in some cases, I just like that this person is saying, fuck this, th- this group of people I don't like, I'm going to go out and vote for them. End of story. They never pay attention to politics again until four years uh, later. Right. Like it's you don't you you cannot, and listen. Uh, she also points out that uh, they were Occupy supporters. Fine, great, wonderful. Here's the thing with me. To be a leftist, and before uh, I get the uh, the free thinkers who are going to pop in here, or the libertarians, or the uh, the uh, I, 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 the secular ath- uh, I, I don't know the atheists. Who are going to come in and say I'm liberal, even though I'm a progressive, even though I, I, uh, I, I hate these groups of these marginalized groups of people? Who are you to tell me that I'm not a progressive? Are you the the purveyor of all who is progressive or leftist? I am going to answer that. Yes, I am. I am going to determine whether you're progressive or leftist or not. Yes, sir, Bob. There you finally, go. Finally, finally, we have someone. <laughs> yes. If you need to know if you're progressive or a leftist, come to me. Tell me your where you uh, where your. Uh, where you uh, lie on the issues, and I will tell you whether you are a leftist or not. Yeah, I mean, and my, political, political compass out of fashion now. Yeah, and <laughs> my word is the law. So there. So to be a leftist, you must be intersectional. You cannot be a leftist and not be intersectional. And this goes to everybody, to those uh, Hillary Stan liberals who don't think inequality and class really matter. Fuck you. You're not a leftist or a progressive. To those uh, weird, uh, dumb-dumb leftists who uh, think Hillary Clinton murdered Seth Rich and think identity politics are uh, the ruination of everything. Fuck you. You're not a leftist or progressive. So there you go. Uh, If a union guy came up to me and said he's a strong supporter of workers' rights but doesn't think black people are equal to him, I would also tell him, I don't give a shit if you were voting for Bernie Sanders. You can vote for Bernie Sanders. That's nice. Fuck you. You're not a leftist. I don't want you on my side. Yeah, using someone's voting record is like the weakest cover. And I think you illustrated it perfectly where it's like you can have some progressive thoughts or like if someone – uh, what it sounds like in the case of Weinstein is uh, they just hated establishment. Like they hated this idea of like the global elites or whatever. And Occupy was pushing against that in the financial sector. Uh, Bernie said he would push back that against that in uh, financial sector and healthcare sector. Um, so I guess that makes sense. But that doesn't mean that you're like a leftist liberal. Right. Right. And it's very clear that these guys have a real issue uh, with race because of clearly they had a problem with uh, this day of absence, which, by the way, over 200 white students took part in 
and, and it wasn't mandatory. You did yeah, not. Yeah, you did not. I want to point that I, out too. If you were a white student at the school, there wasn't like the fucking uh, 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 college wing of the Black Panthers standing outside the school. Again, the college wing of the Black Panthers that Fox News would like you to believe exists. This, you know, this, this Black Panther. You know, like remember when they reported that there was a single Black Panther standing in front of a voting uh, booth. <laughs> Like I'm imagining that these guys are thinking that existed at the school that day. No. Yeah. You did not have to leave the school if you were white. 200 white students chose to participate and leave the campus and go to off-campus events. 200 is a, in terms of a college campus, is pretty, I mean... I don't even think this was that. Is this, I'm, I may be wrong, but I don't think it's even that big of a school. So 200 right. white students seems like a pretty significant portion of students who thought this is a cool thing. I want to take part in it. I want to belong to this. I want to take part in this event that the, and, and show people of color on my campus that I'm an ally. Yeah. Um, it, and it, it's just it's just this whole, you know, something like bigger picture. Uh, and we could talk about it is just sort of how this whole idea of the classical liberal, which is something that uh, not everyone in this intellectual dark rep group subscribes to, but some of the more prominent figures do. It it's kind of just a way to shift the Overton window. Like whenever I hear the term classical liberal, I just think like, oh, that's what like conservatives are calling themselves now because they no longer fight day in and day out to like deny uh equal rights to gay people and right. like and they have a black friend or something so right. they think that like everything's chill right but these are conservative views and these are right-wing views and some of the people in this group espouse pretty far right views as well but by portraying themselves as a classical liberal in quotes uh they're able to sort of you know, they have these huge audiences and with these audiences, they've been able to rewrite the ground rules and shift um, the party line. Right. Can, let's 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 segue into classical liberalism, actually, and talk about uh, one of the stars of Barry Weiss's piece, one of the main characters of the intellectual dark web, the king of classic liberalism himself. My boy. There you go. Dave Rubin. There you go. <laughs> And I think you're a bit of a Dave Rubin expert. I think if I was going to think of who I wanted to have on to specifically, if we were doing an all Dave Rubin episode, which was actually, I think, really the original plan for this episode. So I might have to still plan that episode uh, in the future. You'd be one of the people I'd have come on just to do this all Dave Rubin episode. So let's let's do a, a summary of Dave Rubin as he relates to classical liberalism, classic liberalism, whatever the fuck it's called, and the dark web. Okay, so first off, Dave Rubin, um, we mentioned earlier, he is host of a podcast called The Rubin Report. It is incredibly popular and has a video uh, version of it syndicated to YouTube on a channel that is incredibly popular. Um, Rubin hosts guests all the time. He's often able to pull very high-profile figures like John Kasich, um, Sebastian Gorka was just on, a uh, former White oh, House. Oh, yes. 
Gorka. <laughs> <laughs> but um, shout out to uh, James Domian and uh, oh Chapo Trap House. Oh, you're breaking up just a little bit. Just if if that happens again, I'm just gonna tell you you broke up and rewind yourself to where you know rewind yourself back a few sentences and we'll take it from there. Okay. Um. Yeah. So he has this like massively popular uh, channel on YouTube reaches millions of people every month and he claims to be liberal and his primary basis for this claim is that dave rubin is an openly gay man uh who is married to another openly gay man and uh that's kind of like his main line of defense that he goes to which is uh anytime someone calls him a right-winger or faults him for platforming the many far-right figures like Pizzagate, uh, Pizzagate Mike Cernovich, uh, who else has been on it, um, Candace Owens, Talking Points USA, Outreach, um, you know, Stefan Molyneux, who has his own Molyneux. wildly... Molly Molyneux. Molyneux. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> So he has these people on his podcast, which push a, like a myriad of things, which, you know, if it's Cernovich, it's the idea that like there's a pizza place in D.C. that's like torturing children in the basement. And if it's someone like Stefan Molyneux, uh, it's uh, the idea that like uh, that there's like genetic differences in uh, different races that make – you know, racial uh, mixing or, or multiculturalism, like a bad idea for some reason. And he presents them on his platform rather uncritically. Um, he just treats hmm. everybody like they're legitimate. I wonder why. Can't be because he agrees with them. <gasps> no, no. No, he's a, he's a classic liberal. He's, a, he's the last liberal, I believe, he calls himself. Yeah. Good. And he, can, he, can, he, can, he can be a liberal because... <laughs> Fuck liberalism. We don't want to. We don't want to. Yeah, please, by all means. <laughs> yeah, no, but um, yeah, that's like his mainline defense. Whenever people criticize him, he's like, "Oh, I'm a right winger. I'll just tell that to my husband, um, because we're married." Right. And it's like, it's like, okay, okay, man, like that's great. But you realize that a lot of these people you're talking to, and sort of fangirling over just a decade ago, would have argued against your right to marry your husband. Right. Quite openly, too. Um, but somewhere along the way, uh, Dave Rupin began to sympathize with these people to the point of clustering into, you know, as they call it, the intellectual dark web. Like, currently, he's on this big speaking tour with Jordan P. Peterson. He's doing hits with Ben Shapiro. I mean, the guy is... I think of him as like a liberal in denial or, or a conservative in de denial. I mean, um, I don't know. I don't even think it's that. I, I truly think these guys know what they are, but they have a brand to build. There is some sort of, I don't want to use this word cause I don't think they're intellectuals at all, but there is a, a mind doesn't mean it's a very bright one, but there is a mind behind i think a lot of these guys where they are aware with how being you know i think alt-right people like richard spencer 
are aware of how it looks to most people to be an open Nazi, an open white supremacist. So they're a little bit more, they have have brand awareness. And then take it a step further, you have people like, uh, I don't know, like a... uh, like a, a Mike Cernovich who realizes that even the alt-right label is bad and he has brand awareness. He doesn't want to... He, he still wants to reach those people, but he wants to reach a little bit of a broader audience. So he's not right. going to call himself alt-right. And then you take that a step further and you have like a Dave Rubin who I don't even want to consider myself right-wing even though I agree with pretty much all they have to say because I know that if I portray myself as a classic liberal... I can get uh, that YouTube audience, those uh, those gamer kids who who uh, think they're 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 liberals but hate Muslims or hate black people or or hate multiculturalism or hate Christians or you know whatever it might be. Yeah, and be in portraying yourself as a liberal uh, and espousing conservative views is like. The fastest way to get on Fox News. Right. Like, like I am very straightforward about what I believe, uh, you know, being on the left. But if I came out, I could send like five tweets that's like, Trump number one, I love Daddy Trump. And, you know, a Fox producer would blow up my phone, like, within a few minutes. Right, <laughs> um, right. <laughs> just because it's it's such a, a transparent grift at this point. But I, But I do think... You know, I think you're getting onto something like online uh, brewing very early uh, it, as YouTube started to like become more sophisticated as a platform and people started to uh, watch less TV and listen to podcasts and stuff on the Internet. Instead, there was this audience that no one had claimed yet. Right. And the Internet is very, um, I think, libertarian in its structure at least the cultural structure of the internet um being almost like an absolutist anything goes like just do it for the post type vibe um and i think there were people that had socially liberal views but some sort of bias or some sort of right-wing view that they needed validated in some way right Uh, and that's where people like dave rubin um, another classical liberal is Carl Benjamin, who goes by Sargon of Akkad. He has a massive YouTube following. Right. He's actually he was surprisingly absent from this piece. Yeah, I I don't know. Listen, I don't. Carl listen. Carl of Akkad was obsessed with me during oh my God. He's, during. He's during, made videos about me too, man. Right. It's he, like he has done literal like he's done like. Full bone. Listen, I've talked about some of these guys for like an hour, an hour and a half. You know, just a conversation. You know, have someone on the show. Just we talk. Episode ends. I do some sound, sound, light sound editing. Throw the podcast up. Takes me not much time. This guy has done literally 30, 40 minute, multiple 30, 40 minute pieces on not just me, a number of people who are really don't have that much of a following. I'm not that big. I mean, in the big picture, I'm pretty much a nobody. I mean, I yeah. have my small audience here, people who know me off Twitter, but inside this little bu- outside this little bubble, I'm I'm a nobody. And he has done these like well-produced uh scripted 
uh, cut up because he's got to find videos. Like it's not like a live stream where you just have a camera on you for thirty for thirty minutes. Even though they love doing six hour versions of those, but <laughs> but they do. Like, he put together like these thirty minute videos where he edited together a whole piece, and it's like, dude, I would not have like I would I could talk about you for like an hour and upload that video like with a, about you know this conversation about what I think of you and your politics and your videos but I would never sit down and like edit together a 20 min a, like a 20 minute produced video about you you're just not that important to me <laughs> yeah yeah i mean like i wrote about uh carl at right wing watch once because uh i was on this like alt right youtubers channel trying to figure out like what what was going on in the alt right and Good old Carl roams up in this live stream and starts handing out PR advice to this like openly white supremacist YouTuber. So I wrote about it because I thought it was interesting. And he like I you know, we're the same as you. Like we have our audience. We're like lucky enough to be sort of a reset a uh, resource for like a lot of press and a lot of uh, researchers, like fellow researchers. Um, but as far as just like a general audience, it's not like the ultimate goal like we don't have ads on the site or anything that's not our thing um but he i forget i think this video is like 25 minutes but it, it was the same as yours like heavily scripted and i can't imagine like i spent maybe 45 minutes putting this article together and he spent maybe like four or five hours getting this video ready i, I can tell you he spent more than four or five hours i I do videos like that. Not for my. I've done it for companies, not for myself. Although I should probably start some scripted doomed videos, like produced like three or four minute videos. I'm gonna put that on the list of things that I wanna I wanna do. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, it takes a long time to do those, and I, I I could imagine myself maybe one day doing a documentary on all these guys, like you know, an hour and a half long full length documentary on. You know the the rise of like the YouTube right wing culture, this 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 intellectual dark web. But I would be talking about all of them, and my main focus would be on guys who literally are making bank, have audiences in the hundreds of thousands, if not millions, and are like known figures. I certainly wouldn't be putting together these videos and spending my time and money on a guy who's got like a couple like. 10, 20, 30,000 Twitter followers and a YouTube audience of, I believe I have about, again, I just started the YouTube live stream, never used this YouTube really before that, 420 something people. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's, it's weird that this guy, but we're spending way too much time on a guy who's not even in the intellectual dark web. I'm going to have to do an episode on Carl, uh, Mr. Sargon of Akkad on its own. Let's get back to... uh, I I mean, I I think the point, though, like, the larger point that we're getting at is that, like, this is a very, like, strange group of people that have been able to convince people that they're liberals that hold right-wing views. Um, And they, you know, viciously, like, malign anybody who can test them. Like, that's the whole reason, like... You got videos from Sargon. I got videos from Sargon. It's, it's because we dare call into question this like smokescreen of liberalism that they're trying to hide behind. But in reality, I, I don't know. It's just weird to think about because, you know, 
you and I can see through that. I think most people on the left can see through it for what it is. But there are millions of people that have been duped by this. Right. And I, right. I, I wonder all the time, like, what that – what's the end result here? Like, are we – the Overton window has been shifting, like, so far toward right-wing politics. It's, like, hard to even understand, like, some of the political conversations we're having nowadays. But I don't know. I I guess I, I kind of worry that it's, like, just polarizing people, especially young people. Oh no, that's totally what's going on here. That's to me that to me is the real danger of these guys. I mean, we could mock them and make fun of them and I will because it's funny and I love to right. do it. Right. It is it is so much fun. Right. But but there is a danger here and that is there and I jeez, I've done I feel, I feel like this comes up in literally almost every episode of my podcast, but it is to me why I do so much about these guys. And that is there is a significant percentage of young white males who feel lost uh they're told or they see in the media that their place in the world is dwindling which is ridiculous it's not fellas if you're listening you're gonna be all just fine but they feel this way and they're looking for a scapegoat Mm -hmm. And they're young and impressionable. And these guys, a lot of them are part of communities that uh, they once felt were marginalized and still feel were marginalized, like being maybe like a geek or a gamer or an atheist. But in reality, these groups are no longer marginalized, even though these young people think they still are. You can be an open atheist. You can be a proud open gamer. You can be, uh, you can go to Comic Con and everyone's gonna think you're cool because that stuff is no longer the subculture. That's no longer the punk rock of uh, of the world. Like it's those things have entered the mainstream. Right. And it's a. It, it's like there's frustrated people, um, you know, that have been some sort of dejected in a way or they feel or, they've been dejected right right i mean i mean that's like the whole culture behind the intellectual dark web it's like i said something people didn't like i was rejected socially in some way but now i'm fighting back because i found the secret kernel of truth that happens to be just some like racist debunk to hell talking point from like three decades ago but like this is the secret truth and fuck all you guys for not realizing my genius. Right. And and you're intruding on my right to say this stuff if you offer a, a rebuttal. Yeah. Because the rebuttal, of course, is not also free speech. The rebuttal is censorship, obviously. Yeah. Obviously. And, and they work, like, very hard to go to college campuses. And, like, if you're speaking in front of a huge lecture and you're saying these, like, crazy, uh, like like misinformed ideas about like race realism and stuff, someone will have a problem with that. And it's, you know, the whole portrait of like the SJW, right? Right. The like rainbow haired, like uh, heavyweight, like 
person screaming at the top of their lungs um, that like people need to be executed or whatever. And if you were to listen to them exclusively, you would think that is like all colleges in the United States. Right. Like, like your graduation, you open it up and there's just like a big hammer and sickle printed on it. Uh, And it's to be fair at my, at my college, that was the case. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but, I received. Uh, I received my. I actually received a hammer and sickle. That was. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you, t- you. I mean, you were talking about like this is sort of an escapism for people that feel like they've been socially rejected. But for people that haven't been socially rejected, they also provide a convenient boogeyman that like every college campus or community probably has like one or two of like very vocal um so if you don't have a boogeyman they provide you one of their own um that's like a very uh convenient especially on youtube this has just been like if you just search like sjw destroyed by logic like i'm sure you will get like six figure video counts right, that's what i'm calling this episode that's <laughs> Jared Holt destroyed by logic. I'm right. doomed. Right. Well, I would have to put SJW in front of it. Oh, that. right, right. SJW soy boy Jared Holt destroyed by logic and reason attempts logical fallacies. <laughs> and ad hominem fallacy, uh, straw man fallacy. Uh, I'll have to look up some more fallacies. Dude, I mean, uh, that's the weirdest thing about this whole, like, classical liberal, like, intellectual dark web thing is that they, like, when you come at them, they just, like, whip out the logical fallacies poster and, like, try to... <laughs> yeah, no, there's there's words that I refuse to use because they've become jokes to me. Like, I will, yeah. you will never catch me using I, the words logic and reason <laughs> and free thinkers. And... As soon as I hear the words, by your logic, I'm just like, all right, I'm gone. I'm done. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, what else is there? Uh, they, there's all the fallacies. Can't use the word fallacy anymore. Uh, facts don't care about your feelings. Yeah, fa- yeah, uh, don't want to. Yeah, it's just like, it's just like it gets to a point where it's like, you see those words and you know exactly who's coming at you. You know, it's it's like not even a. It's not a surprise. It's not even like, oh, maybe someone's just a person outside that world that just just happens to have those words in their their everyday vocabulary. Nope. Nope, nope, it doesn't happen. <laughs> if someone comes at me online saying those words or phrases, uh, 10 out of 10 times, I'm going to be uh, get into a debate I don't want to have with one of these classic liberals and or libertarians and or uh, reactionaries. And it's just, it's so like, like, come on, guys! It's all played out, and they always just repeat the same things they hear from these guys. They have no, no thoughts of their own. It's just like, you know, if I want to have this debate, I would get so much more attention if I do the same exact thing with Dave Rubin. Like, why am I going to do it with you, Twitter account with thirty followers? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, in the like the way a lot of these fans parrot the talking points, I feel like that's also like a symptom of this sort of grift they have set up, where like. They've been rejected by society, and they have the secret kernel of truth. And like when you become the one with the secret kernel of truth, people stop trusting everybody else. Right. And right. they essentially like 
you see with Jordan B. Peterson, especially like just sort of a cult like status in his followers. Like Jordan, Jordan, Jordan be balling. I'll tell you that much. I want some of that. <laughs> Jordan be ball. I want some of that money. Yeah, I, I saw in this article he makes like ninety thousand dollars a month. Nine is for. Yeah. And, and that's just I want to point out that's just from Patreon. That's just that's just people donating to him. This dude has a best-selling book, two best-selling books I believe. He uh is a full-time or at least has probably a full-time salary at a college. He's a professor. He has like, speaking events. He has speaking events where he's probably getting paid six figures uh, a pop. I mean, or at the very least, high five figures. And I don't even know why I'm saying that because it's almost definitely six figures. <laughs> I mean, these these guys have figured out how to make themselves millionaires off this stuff. Right. And it's you – know, Jordan Peterson had these these thoughts and ideas, these terrible thoughts and ideas before he got big. Oh, my God. Jordan That's Peterson's not... been trying to be famous for like almost a decade. Yes, and that's not why he got big. He's famous because he came out against some uh, bill in Canada. What was it like? C CA eighteen. Thank you. I do, like I said, I did an episode on this, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to bring up Jordan Peterson today because I've had enough of Jordan Peterson. There's so much more interesting, lesser talked about guys. But let's talk Jordan Peterson because. It, Let's just, just like, wax it for a minute. Just like I don't want to talk about him. When I start, I fall into the hole and I can't stop. So um, I fall into a lobster trap and I, I can't get out. Uh, <laughs> the secret, you have to clean your room to get out of it. Right, right, right. <laughs> you, you clean the trap and then it releases. Right. So this guy became famous basically for having a reactionary uh, uh, reaction. <laughs> To this, what was this bill again? What exactly was this bill again? Uh, what the bill was was uh, it was an amendment to Canada's uh, non-discrimination laws for uh, federal businesses and uh, offices to include gender identity as a protected status, like in the same I'm way. I'm already can't... outraged. I'm ready to take a stand. How can this yeah. happen? I feel like, oppressed. I feel like I'm being uh, stopped somehow from uh, expressing my my rights and my ideas and I, my free speech is being curtailed and I've had enough. Where's my so, money? Where's my money now? Give it to me. Give it to me. I mean, it was civil rights protections, but then he just, I mean, he lied. There's no other way to put it, man. He lied. He, right. he was like, he was like, oh, I'm going to try to do the voice. <laughs> well, if I, Nope, it's not happening tonight. <laughs> but uh, smart man for ending it before just trying to go through it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> I mean, do it sometimes. It, it just it's wasn't going to come it's, out. It's Kermit the Frog here. Something like there that. There you yeah. go. Yeah. So um, he was like, "Oh, you know, if I don't call you by your preferred pronouns, I'm going to get a fine." And it's like, "No, you're not." Uh, like there is actually specific protections in this law to say like. In order to get any sort of punishment for this, like you're allowed to express yourself freely as long as you don't like go out of your way to malign somebody or like isolate or alienate them. And uh, he got famous off that because like he came out very vocally against this, 
people protested him. And then Tucker Carlson. This is like, I feel like Tucker is coming up a lot tonight. Right. But, but, uh, he is, he is the, uh, he is the, I'm going to go with, he's probably the king of the brand awareness, actually. Like I was mentioning to you before, there's all these guys who, you know, there's Spencer doesn't want to call himself Nazi. So he goes with all right. Cernovich doesn't want to call himself all right. So he goes with alt light or whatever he's calling himself now. Uh, a gorilla. Uh, you know, you have someone like a Dave Rubin who's the one associated with those guys. So he goes by a uh, classic liberal. Uh, you have Tucker Carlson, who without a doubt is a white supremacist, but he's just, F- you know, he's just a Republican. You're, you're, you're classic, uh, conservative. That's all. Yeah. Uh, that's how he probably, uh, he, that's how he builds himself. And that's how he probably, uh, has gotten away with it for so long. Um, but so let's talk about, um, there's so many. Let's go through the list and stop on like one or two more. Okay. So part of this intellectual dark web, we have Douglas Murray, a conservative. Uh, uh, I, I, I can never say her first name, but her CLE. Uh, Claire Lehman. We got, uh, say I say Sam Harris? Yeah, probably. Uh, Candace Owens. Uh, ben Shapiro. Ah, let's 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 talk about Christina Hoff Summers. Oh man! Because if we're gonna talk about fooling young white men, then there's no one who has done it better than Christina Hoff Summers. I would say. Well, probably the people who've made more money than her, which is probably most of them. She hasn't made very much money off these guys, I don't think. But she does have them all calling her mom. Yeah. Which it's is. Like- a motherly really? figure. Like, I, in... I'm, I'm like, I, I want to, you know, I'm, I'm ready to tell you to keep talking and I'll be right back while I vomit into a garbage bag. <laughs> yeah. Can it's you imagine a... calling just an older woman you don't even know, but agree with ideologically your mom? Like they call, yeah, they, for the people who aren't familiar, Christina Hoff Summers is a self-proclaimed feminist who has made her career off of being an anti-feminist. And, genius. Right. Absolutely. And she is one of those people who says there's, uh, who, who sees uh, the issue of rape on college campuses and thinks it's just all hysteria. And she used Gamergate, basically, as a way to get her name out there. Uh, and she became sort of a hero or if, mother to the gamers who supported Gamergate, these right-wing young uh, uh, white male reactionaries. And they called her, they gave her the nickname Based Mom. And I'm not joking when I say this, and they weren't joking when they said this. They literally referred to her as Based Mom in their regular, everyday conversation involving her. Wait, Christina Summers is Based Mom? She's Based Mom. Oh my god! Oh, wait, you didn't know that? I checked out on Christina Summers for like I don't know seven or eight months. No, she's she's based mom. <laughs> oh and, shit! But they they called her this like in 2015. Like yeah, before, I remember whenever seeing Gamergate this. started 2014, whenever it was. Oh my god! I just put it's that all together. It's just a blur now. It's just all just a blur now. <laughs> So, I'm gonna yeah, have to get she, off this stream and go rethink my life for a second. Right? No, it's all right. You listen, <laughs> listen. I fall into this myself. I follow so many of these guys, 
that sometimes you just get them mixed up, man. Like, listen, like, if you were to ask me what the difference between, you know what, I can't even lie. I sadly know the difference between, like, uh, a Ben Shapiro and, and like, a, I don't know, a fucking Douglas Murray. But um, let's also talk about, who should we talk about next? Let's cover who 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 do you want to talk about? Who's someone we didn't touch upon that you want to talk about? And then I'll make a, a call for call. I'll make a open call for a caller or two. See if I can get that working. Might not work. I've only been accepting callers once before on this system. But uh, who do you want to talk about? Candace Owens. She let's, is let's in the news Candace right now uh, because Kanye likes the way she thinks. Right. And I'm so tired of talking about Kanye, so I'm just going to drop that there and move on to Candace Owens. And a good segue, because interestingly enough, another person who started making a name for themselves thanks to Gamergate. Yeah. Yeah, so... Let's start Candace, there. Yeah, uh, okay, so rewind the clock. Candace Owens, self-proclaimed liberal who sued... It was her school or her workplace for racial discrimination and won money... Um, she was part of the like gamer game, uh, Gamergate sweep, and she created this website that was supposed to curb bullying by posting the information of people who were doing cyberbullying. A lot of people in the Gamergate movement quickly condemned her because of the fact that like this is the site would essentially function as like a doxing server. Uh, and they're like, oh, you're going to like this could get people hurt. This is a horrible idea. So she gets some backlash there and then she's off the map. Right. She comes back out of nowhere with very clear media training. Um, someone who like there's a specific way to talk when you're going on TV and you kind of have to be trained on it. And she was definitely trained on it. She comes back and starts her her first video is like her her her, her YouTube her, her like YouTube name yeah is was at least red pilled black yeah she like came out as a conservative she's like sorry mom and dad I'm a black woman and I'm a conservative I'm not progressive I'm not a liberal blah blah blah. And then she made all these appearances on Infowars with Alex Jones, including like at one point late last year, she went to Austin, Texas and like sat shotgun with Alex Jones while he co-hosted an episode of Infowars. And she called herself Red Pill Black and, um, you know, Red Pill being this like alt-right term uh, that you basically ascribe to yourself to justify like the fact that you've become okay with your racism or like misogyny or whatever. Um, then her big moment, like her breakthrough moment comes after the unite the right rally in Charlottesville, um, where Heather Hare was murdered and she goes on YouTube and she creates this video basically accusing the media of hyping up the existence of white supremacy, uh, and fascism in the United States. And, says that white supremacy is a myth, um, that like racial discrimination is a myth, and this gets her a one-way ticket to Fox News um, to give commentary on Unite the Right. Um, very quickly, 
After that, she was picked up by Charlie Kirk to work at Turning Points USA as their uh, like urban community development something something. Right, because if you're a black conservative, that's all you're good for. Yeah. And uh, when she got hired at TPUSA, or TPUSA um, because TPUSA has had so many problems in the past with hiring like neo-Nazis and not realizing it until like four or five months in when someone in the media picks up something and ask a question. Um, they went through the media. She no longer was red pill black. She was Candace Owens. And uh, a lot of her content on Twitter using the terms like alt-right, red pill, that sort of thing were deleted. And she has since she's been able to ride the info wars like alt light, like yeah, ride the train into the mainstream uh, where she sits today. And now she's part of this like intellectual dark web or whatever because she is a black woman with the uh, forbidden, uh, you know thought Listen, of I'm... being a conservative and she also fits into this grievance culture because she says like that she gets attacked for being a black woman and being a conservative right right listen so. kanye west i am begging you to oppress me by mentioning me on your twitter feed please 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 kanye <laughs> please throw me throw me throw me into the underground get me into the the depths of hell Throw me that far underground. I want to I, I I go to the core of the earth, Kanye. Mention me on your Twitter feed. <laughs> Oppress me, baby. Come on. Come on. Oh, man. Like these guys, you know. And I'm, looking, I'm just looking again at... Uh, let, me, let me make this call uh, to, for people to call. Might not work. Let's try it. I could probably take one or two callers. You have to use Skype. Uh, just ring up Matt Binder on Skype and let's see if this works. If it doesn't, we'll just continue talking. No big deal. Uh, I'm looking at the, the beginning of this Barry Weiss piece and it's it, it literally starts with free speech is under siege. Identity politics is a toxic ideology that is tearing American society apart and she introduces these guys as being turned into heretics. Like, you gotta be kidding me, man. Like, what is... Like, free speech is not under siege. Identity no. politics is not... While there's certainly people who weaponize it in a way that hurts... Uh, you know, I mean, really, all politics identity politics. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, these guys have not been turned into heretics, as we've just mentioned in the, uh, I believe, hour and 15 minutes... And we've offered, I would say, considerable proof that these guys aren't heretics in the hour and 15 minutes we've now spoken. Yeah, um, I, mean, I mean, I think the ultimate goal or like agenda of the intellectual dark web, if we're just going to sum it up like very succinctly, is that these are people that claim that they hold controversial ideas and are using those ideas to fight for freedom of speech. But what we see time and time again through their, uh, like, through their media appearances, uh, through their desire to stoke hysteria about SJW culture and stuff, is that they don't want, like they have freedom of speech, 
what they want is freedom from criticism. They want to be treated legitimately. And because there are large parts of the media class, um, the political class, uh, and, and just general people on the street that can see through their bullshit, they are furious and have come up with this whole narrative that you know they are being suppressed or censored or forced out of the mainstream in some way but that hasn't it's not you know when you look at the stats on how much money these people are making what kind of audiences they're pulling what shows they're going on and everything everything runs contrary to that claim so it's kind of this vicious circle that they've been able to set up for themselves right um Another line from this piece that I, I just can't, I just can't. People are starved, are starved for controversial opinions, said Joe Rogan, and they are starved for an actual conversation. Well, no, you guys prove that actually people are starved for outlets who tell them what they want to hear that line up with their ideological, uh, where they line up on the spectrum. Right. Because what your your opinions aren't controversial, they're they're just not. We've heard this before. This has been bullshit spewed for decades. The difference is that the left and the people who don't agree with you have now gained in numbers, and we now have a voice and are able to rebut what you're saying. We're able to protest what you're saying. We're able to prove that what you're saying is demonstrably, demonstrably false, and you guys can't handle it. Yeah, I mean, organizing, speaking out, protesting, these are all uh, explicitly protected by the First Amendment in the United States. It's uh, They say they love free speech, but when other people that seem to want to criticize them participate in it, in a way that they don't like, uh, the tone changes quite quickly. Right, right. And um, you know, the, you know, we we keep bringing up that these guys are not are not like held down from the mainstream and how they. But the weirdest thing to me about this piece specifically is that Barry Weiss literally herself mentions this stuff in this same piece where she's claiming these guys are unable to get their voice out there. Uh, we got, she mentions, I, I guess maybe I read this and that's why I said the, without realizing what the Rachel Maddow, she even claims that they can draw an audience as big as Rachel Maddow. They, she mentions that their YouTube, uh, uh, videos have been viewed over a million times. Uh, they get millions of downloads on their podcasts. They get invited to packed venues across the globe. She even specifically mentions that Jordan Peterson, Douglas Murray, and Sam Harris are going to appear together at the fucking O2 Arena in London. The O2 Arena, I'm going to look up exactly what the capacity is there. But I'm like pretty sure that's the place that like uh, the WWE uh, goes to when they uh, go to London. Like that is where they run their shows. Yeah, it's a 20,000 seat arena. And that's for yeah. like and that's for like uh like a uh, a sports, a, like a, I guess a, I don't know what, I guess maybe just an entertainment venue, whatever they do there, uh, live music it's primarily used for, uh, 
I can guarantee you without all the necessary uh, staging equipment for uh, bands or entertainers, uh, just a speaker re- probably requires a lot less room. So you got a lot more floor seats too, I'm sure, to set up there. So we're talking 20000 plus at this venue. And they'll probably sell it out. Right, right. That's, but, uh, but they're not also allowed to do it. You know, that's the whole thing, right? That they're not even allowed to speak here. No. Yeah. It's just, you know, these guys are the yeah. ultimate grifters. I wish I had that. First of all, I wish I had no morals and didn't care and and had no problem uh, bilking the people who listen to my show out of money. But you know what? They're all too smart for it anyway, even if I did have that talent. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's really that's what it comes down to. Yeah. And uh, before we wrap up and uh, maybe take a call or two, there, there was one more piece. This is towards the end of the piece. Um, so I'll just read this paragraph. It says, uh, of course, the whole notion of drawing lines to keep people out is exactly what inspired the intellectual dark folks, dark web folks in the first place. They're committed to the belief that setting up no-go zones and no-go people is inherently corrupt to free thought so the fact that like they're probably gonna sell out a 20,000 plus seat stadium and they have and, like Barry Weiss has the nerve to call the oh wait hold on hello one second I want to get everyone on the call here one second uh One second. Here we go. I'm going to get this working. Okay. There we go. Oh, so there's like a you there, Jared? Hey. I'm, hey. Here? All right. Yeah, I, I took the caller and it booted you for some reason. But you know what? We got this now. Now I'm going to uh, split screen with the caller here. Okay. I don't have a webcam, actually. Oh, you don't have a webcam? All right. But yeah. I think – can you just talk for a second? Uh, yeah, can you hear Perfect. Me? Yeah, we can hear you on the uh, the stream. So cool. So go ahead. What's your name? Where are you calling from? I'm. Uh, my name's Christine, and I'm from Canada. I'm from Nova Scotia. Um, I just found something really interesting about a lot of these like uh, free sc- free speech grifters. Right. Um, quite a few of them are Canadian. Um, there's Jordan Peterson. There is um, Lindsay Shepard. I don't know if you're familiar with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Faith Goldie, a few others, quite a few Canadians in there. Um, well, first, I want to say thank you, Canada, for doing this to <laughs> us. Uh, that that's uh, retaliation for Trump. Right. You know what? <laughs> I'm kidding. You might, it, it could probably be retaliation for a lot more things too, actually. But <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, anyway. Um. So, like, basically, what I was saying is like. They're railing against all these bills by the Canadian government. Like, there was Bill C-16, which you mentioned. And then there's a new one. There's Bill C-51, which is a sexual harassment bill. And they're railing against that now. Like, I'm starting that starting to bubble up. And there was also M-103, which was about systemic racism and Islamophobia. Um, and there was like anti-Muslim protests like all over the country. There was mm-hmm. even one in my city. Um, but now, like, 
before under the last government it, we had, which was pretty right wing. Um, we had another bill, C-51, which Amnesty International even said would suppress free speech in Canada. They were not around. They were silent. Never heard a word from Jordan Peterson, not Faith Goldie, not like any of these grifters. So I, I find it quite hypocritical because like there were protests around the country. I was at some of these anti-Bill C-51 protests, C-51 by the old government. And uh, yeah, none of them were to be seen. So <laughs> it's just I, I just find that really funny. And I thought it should be something that should be pointed out. Right, right. Well, you know what? These guys also, along with you know various other reasons, I'm sure, you know they're they're big time now. They they're making that USD. So Canada, yeah. your money, your money is just not that important to them. USD gets them much further. So yeah. uh, you know the almighty American dollar. Just I'm sorry, Canada. They just don't care. <laughs> you, they've they, you've been out. You've been outdone. You know, you guys are there. You're the old audience. You guys just aren't that important to Jordan Peterson anymore. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Maybe one day. Maybe one day. What I find really scary is that he actually still has a psychology practice in Toronto. Oh, God. Yeah. So he takes patients. I'm pretty sure he still does. Well, I was reading this article recently about, like, uh, uh, mothers who were fans of Jordan Peterson because they believe that uh, their sons should be raised with him as, like, a model man. Like his twelve rules were like a model for young for their sons to follow, and I, really? I was just like I was like shuddering. I was like, "This just this is first of all, that's just gross." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to have I some mean, like crying internet weirdo like raise your kid right. is a little weird. And then, yeah, and then second of all, is creepy. <laughs> we're gonna have a bunch of like lobster lo- lo- lobster men, lobster boys. Okay. <laughs> but at, at I, least his I, at least his room will be clean, right? Okay, being from being from Nova Scotia, I know a little thing or two about lobster, and <laughs> it's just not something I, that I like uh, where this is going. Yeah, I mean they're delicious and all, but you know, is is that why you think he? Uh, is it the Canadian factor why he's brought lobsters into his uh, his lesson plans? Is, you think that's what I it is? I don't know because I like. I grew up around lobster fishermen. Like, I'm from a small fishing village in Nova Scotia originally. I've lived in, I live in Halifax now. I've lived in Toronto, Vancouver. But, uh, yeah, I've never seen lobster have any kind of uh, uh, complex hierarchy. So, I don't know. I have no idea what he's talking about. Right. Maybe maybe he's just like hungry, you know. It's just Kent's. He was he was writing that book, and he just he could go for a nice red lobster, and he he just somehow wrote it in there. It was just mindless, you know. If you read a lot of that book, a lot of it sounds like it could be mindless. So, clean your room, Canada. You're, you're thanks for thanks a lot for uh, for subjecting us to Jordan Peterson. No, but really, well, thanks. He he's like the stereotypical old Canadian, like don't shake it up, kind of thing. Uh, and there was a really good article that came out um, not too long ago on a site called Canada Land, and it said only Canada could spit out Jordan Peterson. And it, I mean, it, it's absolutely true because, to be honest, I can be like that sometimes as well. Sometimes as well. Right. You right. know what I mean? Well, he like did. it's a it's very much a cultural thing. 
I think he does have the American grift, though. That is something. Yeah, but he has the Canadian, you know, like, don't criticize the world until you clean your room is a very Canadian thing to say. So. Right. It's also it's also like like Grandma Jordan Peterson, really. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, I'm really enjoying your podcast. I I just found it really interesting that they never said anything about uh, the old government's Bill C fifty one. The thing is, the people who got caught up under that were all like left wing groups and indigenous activists and things like that. So that's right. probably. Yeah, and I and I think uh, you know. Uh, first off, thanks for calling in, and uh, you know I work in researching like U.S. American politics, and like Peterson has blown up in the United States, so he's on my radar. Uh, but it's really interesting that information you brought about the what was going on under the old government, and the fact that I, I feel like that's just sort of the perfect example of sort of the disingenuous grift that's going on oh, uh, with these total hypocrisy. Because, like, yeah, because like Amnesty International even came up out against the old Canadian government about this law. It actually ended up being repealed, so which is a good thing, but well, yeah. not the whole thing, but most like the problematic parts about it. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I want to really thank you for calling and thank you for listening to the show and thank you for all your kind words. And uh, I'm going to have to admit that being that I'm still new to using this system, I'm going to have to ask you to hang up because I don't know how to boot you from it. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah that's, that's, that's fine. Well, thank you for taking my call. And, and definitely call in again. More. I really appreciate yeah. it. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. Have a great for night. Sure I, you do. I've donated to both of your podcasts. So. Oh, awesome. Thank oh, you. Oh, thank you. Wow, yeah. awesome. This is All right. And Jared, I want to thank you. I think this is the first time that I've ever heard anyone, uh, at least on like a podcast or live stream, thank another show's caller for calling in. That was great. <laughs> hey, it, you got to share that uh, Canadian polite spirit, right? <laughs> right. All right. Well, I should probably hang up before and not take up too much time. Let someone else call in. All right. right. Take care. Yeah. yeah, you too. Okay, bye. All right. Um... Let's oh boy we went long so let's let's I don't, I cut you off before let's finish um, what you were saying about um, Jared let's finish what you were saying to end that um, you were talking about what you, uh, a part of the Barry Weiss piece let's go back to that if you remember if you don't we'll just, oh we'll yeah just yeah no it's this just this idea that um, she she writes the specific line where she talks about like how essentially these people and these ideas they hold have like separated them into an intellectual no-go zone and she calls them no-go people which is like i just thought that was like i don't know man it's like incredibly it's just picking up like right-wing culture like a no-go zone is like a right-wing talking point and i feel like that last line is like what really sunk it in for me that like Barry Weiss got duped by these people the same way millions of people have been duped by these people into thinking that there's any legitimacy to these this sort of like victimhood complex they've created for themselves in order to get famous. Right, right. And um, I, th- I think this was a perfect conversation of the group Intellectual Dark Web, especially being that we wanted to talk about classic liberalism. And I think... I think that really is, you know, I, I'm wondering, and let's maybe end it on this. 
I'm wondering, is intellectual the intellectual dark web going to become the new phrase that takes over classic liberal liberalism? Because it, I hope it, not. It, 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 it encompasses so many more of these guys. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like there's only a few of them that really would go by classic liberalism. And, yeah, I, and, I think the dark web title provides sort of an umbrella for people like Ben Shapiro, who are more explicitly conservative, to, uh, you know, ally. Uh, essentially, what they're doing is they're building like a huge content network and have effectively generated like counter programming to, you know, like mainstream legitimate press or what they would say is like liberal press. Right. Right. So, Jared. Uh, Jared Holt, uh, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, Absolutely, it's a pleasure. Go to rightwingwatch.org to see his great work there. And also check out his show. Uh, He's the host of Shitpost. Uh, Where can we find that other than Uh, iTunes? Do you have a site or a a place where, you know, because people can just go on iTunes and type it in, but you might as well plug a more direct way to get to it, right? Yeah, so uh, the best way to keep up with Shitpost is uh, our Twitter account, SHT Post Podcast. Um, You can follow there. We post links to all the new episodes as soon as they come out. Uh, You can also find it on patreon.com slash that same SHT Post Podcast. Um, And there, uh, you know, we also post links as well as links to a monthly uh, group chat with five dollar plus supporters. Uh, we're on iTunes and most of the uh, you know podcast stuff. But when you search on it, just be sure um, because iTunes wouldn't let me put the word shit uh, <laughs> in the title of my podcast. <laughs> it came back, so I had the I and shit. I had to flip it and make it an exclamation point. So it's S H exclamation point T uh, post podcast. <laughs> right. Damn. Now, if you ask me... I've been forced underground by my... Yeah, if you ask me, that is the real censorship. You couldn't name your show Shitpost. Am I part of the dark web now? And I I mean, if you... Listen, to me, like, that's a real... Like, you're a podcast called Shitpost. People are going to, without a doubt, unless they hear your explanation first, type in S-H-I-T, post, and they're not going to find it. Censored. A major corporation, Apple... Is doing everything possible to make sure that your words, your thoughts, free thinker Jared Holt cannot be found on the internet. It's, to me, the real issue here. I mean, how can you, you better contact them and let them know. I am yeah, sure, yeah. It, I am sure. If I don't sure, get invited on Dave Rubin, uh, you know. Right. <laughs> I'm sure once they look you up and find out that your place of employment is right wing watch, I'm sure they're going to open you, uh, welcome you with open arms. I'm positive of it. Yeah, I, I don't see how they wouldn't. Right. So, uh, Jared, thanks so much. This was great, really. Uh, we couldn't have planned this better with picking tonight to do this and for the gods to present us with this Barry Weiss piece on the intellectual dark web or, again, uh, my favorite uh acronym for them idw uh i demand wedgies <laughs> it was a pleasure thanks for having me take care all right everybody thank you so much for listening to the third 
episode of the live streamed version of Doomed. This is actually episode 17 of the podcast overall. Uh, but uh, yeah, we are in full throttle now with the live stream stuff. Uh, I think we're going to be doing this pretty regularly. Uh, there might be situations here and there where maybe I cannot do the live stream version, but I don't see that in the foreseeable future. Uh, so let's just uh, say this is now a regular live streamed show uh, that is also a podcast. Uh, and you could support this show by becoming a member at patreon.com slash mattbinder. Uh, I know a lot of you who are listening to the live stream because, again, I only started doing the live stream thanks to the people who are, who are already donating via Patreon. Uh, I know a lot of you are already donating $5 a month, but if you aren't and you can afford to do it and you enjoy the show, I implore you to please become a Patreon uh, a member on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash mattbinder. The goal is to uh, grow the show, be able to do uh, more special things for members. Also, the goal, and it's not that far away, I mean, only need a couple, I don't know, 50 more or so uh, patrons to do content specifically just for members. Uh, I would like to do like a like a, a weekly rundown of the news because this show is more like, you know, I have an interviewer on and we talk about a specific topic. I'd love to do uh, what I did with uh, Michael uh, two episodes ago on a regular basis as its own separate thing, just a rundown of the weekend news. Um, you could also, if you can't afford to become a Patreon subscriber, that's cool too. You could support this show by subscribing on iTunes and leaving an iTunes review. Uh, surprisingly, the iTunes reviews both just like pressing the star and also um, just uh, leaving a review is uh, extremely helpful in getting the show out there. Uh, iTunes has this weird algorithm that shows how that doesn't they, they don't show you actually how they uh, they rank the podcasts on there, but I've noticed a correlation with reviews. It's not just people who listen to the show and people who download it. It's also how many reviews your show gets. So that helps. And, you know, just tell people about it. That's also helpful. And now that we're doing this live stream, doomed.tv, become a subscriber on the YouTube channel. And that's it for all my promo work. I'm a terrible self-promoter, but I did it. There you go. You got what you need to know in order to support Doomed with Matt Bender. And I will see you guys all next time on Doomed. Underground Network Alternative Communication.